our story sits in Ecuador. It waits in a village, high, high, high in the Andes Mountains. This little town is on the western slope of a majestic mountain. It's hard to get to this little town. You have to climb a steep dirt path, which crosses a mountain stream six times over wobbly bridges, before it finally reaches our magical spot. Magical in a little town? Oh no, you say, there is no such a thing. Yet, in this town, there lived six girls of round about 18 years. Each of them had a very, very unique and special talent. And this is the truth. There was a massive cyclone the year of their birth. People believed that the storm blew in their talents. No one else was special before them, and after them, nobody ever had any unique ability. The first girl could heal the sick, but only during full moon days. After her 18th birthday, she ran away to the city. She followed a greengrocer who promised her riches and fame. Nobody ever saw her again, but rumors from the city said that outside of the town, she had no powers. As she ran over the bridges, her healing powers simply vanished. She stayed with the greengrocer because she adored him. They lived happily ever after, and they had three very normal children. The second girl was taller than the rest, and she always kept her hair short. She could run faster, jump higher, and work longer hours than even the strongest young men in town. She always laughed, had a wonderful sense of humor, and she did the work of seven men every day after her 13th birthday. The next two girls were twins. They had blonde hair and they were identical. The twins could sing and dance, and they could make music. They added new notes to old lyrics. Their music brought life and happiness to town. Musicians from all over the world who heard the story came to seek inspiration by lingering on the market square for weeks to hear how these girls put words into music. Even the funerals of local people in town were honored by songs of the twins. And, of course, these people tried to steal the stories. But again, as they walked down, down, down the mountain and over the river, they lost the tunes that they had written down on paper. When they got back to their towns, none of the music came back. Girl number five, the one who always had her nose in a book, she was a writer, a poet, and a playwright. She also brought all her books to life by doing her own sketches. She amused children because these stories were about dancing frogs. These frogs went to hunt spiders with bows and arrows. Again, people who heard about her stories came from far away, up, up, up the mountain, to steal her stories. But again, as they left town, their memories faded, as if the stream itself 
stole back the stories and the images from their minds. But our story really starts with girl number six, the one with the brown hair and the deep, deep brown eyes. She was the most special of them all, a very wise child. Her eyes from after birth had a clarity in them that concerned the superstitious. She was the youngest of the six girls of that year, and the most impossible baby. She never slept, but screamed and yelled. Her screams quite disturbed the peace of this little town. This went on for three long years, until somebody found by accident that her screaming stopped when she made intense eye contact with somebody for at least five long seconds. And five seconds with this child was an eternity. But her crying stopped. Her silence would come immediately, and then she smiled. This beautiful stare took the place of her sobbing squeals. Nobody ever felt any discomfort from this child's intense stares. They were all just pleasantly surprised that she stopped crying. She played with the five other girls, and at first she seemed just like a normal child, although she had the most beautiful, intense eyes. Everybody thought that there were only five talented children in town. They excluded her. The blonde twins continued to make music, and then came and told the story about the brown-eyed girl. They said that her stare could tune their musical instruments. Her eyes really improved the resonance. At first, of course, nobody believed this. But then the people of the town realized that, yes, the sounds on the market square, they were purer when the dark-eyed child was around. Soon everybody could hear it. Years passed. The storyteller said that her stories became clearer and her drawings more beautiful. The baker one day told the girl how he struggled to make good bread in the winter. For a long time she sat and listened, not asking anything, not saying anything, not giving any advice. So the baker continued talking. He told her about his son, who had a chronic cough in the winter, and about his wife that so, so dearly wanted a daughter. He then told her about his own father, who'd left town when he was a very, very small child. He told her how he missed his father, and how he wished that he had gotten to know him. He told her that he wondered if his father was alive. He wondered if his father would ever return to town. The girl looked into his eyes. She listened, without emotion really, serious and silent. That's what the baker told everybody. And perhaps it was her silence that kept people talking. Whatever she heard stayed with her, and it never brought any heartache to her eyes. It was as if she made space in her soul, with a nod of understanding, and she then stored a story deep 
deep, deep down in the inside of her. She was the listener. She listened to the stories of what happened on late nights in the side alleys of her town, and of new loves and a great harvest. She listened to stories of sickness and death and pain, and she was told the deepest, deepest secrets and the darkest, darkest desires of all the people in town. At the age of 18, she knew more secrets than even the oldest and wisest people in town. With her eyes and her silence, she drew more and more words from behind closed doors. More and more people brought these secrets to her. Sometimes a thunderstorm of secrets, like the thunderstorms that made the river overflow its banks. When thunderstorms of secrets came, the listener would stop after her quota for the day was filled. She simply got up and left. She left and spent time with the writer. She spent time with the twins. And at night the special girls would go out into the fields around the town and stay there in silence. Stories about the powers of the listener, of course, ran out of town, flooded into the valley. At first, people from neighboring towns came to tell their stories and their lives. After that, people came from far, far away. A rich old man, with so much to share, erected a roof for shade next to the river, and he put a quaint wooden bridge beside it. He also imported pink lotus lilies to float on the water to add some colour, just for the beauty of it, because he had so much on his heart and so much to tell. After that, more and more people gave gifts to express their gratitude. People need to say thank you. They brought the most beautiful lanterns that shone softly at night. A man planted trees. Someone made beautiful gardens, and someone else placed soft furniture under the roof. A man from a far, far land brought exotic birds that sang softly in the mornings. The girl listened. The most terrible of secrets came to her. A world leader brought beautiful Persian carpets and put them under the roof. On this specific day, the girl left early, earlier than ever, and she did not return the next day. She did not explain, and nobody cared. People in a long line waited. They all carried gifts. The bigger the secret, the more exotic and expensive the gifts. The listener returned, listened to two people, and then fled into the mountains to spend time with the writer and the twins. They sat for hours and hours without saying a single word. And then the writer said, You cry at night. You whimper, the twins said. Your screaming at night is very much the same as when you were a baby. 
All the people in town wanted to talk to you about this, but you've been so very, very busy. I cry, the listener said. Yes, but more than cry. These are sounds of agony. They fill the town at night. More and more and more every night. The listener smiled and went back to work. One day the shrine by the river was no longer just a shady spot but a palace for a princess. Lines of people waited. On that day the listener looked up and she saw the rows of people standing with many words in their pained, overflowing souls. She looked away. She let her eyes rest on the luxury around her. The fountains, the lilies, the candles, the carpets, the clothing of beautiful and the finest silk. The whole day she watched, and she looked at everything, deeply touched by the beauty around her. She left without listening to anybody. She spent a second day staring, noticing how wide the wings of the cage birds could stretch and their feathers glistened in the rising sun. The people in the line patiently waited and stared at what she looked at, and they wondered what they could add to give back to this girl who listened. For a moment, the listener closed her eyes. Exactly then, with her eyes closed, she knew that she would be able to see only one or the other, either the souls of the people or the luxury around her, just one. And then she chose. What? You're asking what did she choose? Well, she stared at the road out of the town, and she knew that her talent too would vanish before she reached the main road. All of her friends, the twins, the girl with the short hair, the writer, all of them had tried to leave. The writer's stories evaporated. The twins, the notes lost their melodies. And the strong, fast girl, she was just average and she became fat. They all returned. The listener left. Where is she, you're asking? Did she just stop? Is she not using a talent? Oh yes, she is. She is in Ecuador, on the western side of a mountain. She's waiting for your story. So when the night is dark, and a soft wind blows in the direction of Ecuador, go to a silent place and tell your story. The wind will carry her to her, and she will take it. The listener is waiting for your story.